Hi, I'm Leslie, compulsive overeater. Hi, Leslie. Um, thank you so much for asking me to be here. I um, It's been a while since I've been at this meeting, so I'm really grateful. I live um, in Santa Monica, so I attend meetings on the west side and um, light a candle and the Hill Street meetings in Santa Monica. Um, and I, um, I came to OA in January of 2015, and January 21st is my abstinence date, so I just celebrated four years of abstinence from um, binging and restricting. <clears throat> so I definitely had both sides of this disease. Um, and um, welcome to the newcomer. Um, so glad you're here. Um, so, you know, I woke up this morning with my fingernails digging into the palm of my hand. So, um, I, I've got a lot going on right now and, um, I'm just holding on so tight and, um, you know, it's to wake up that way is like, it's funky for me. Um, but I've been waking up that way a lot lately and I have a lot going on, which I will get into and share about. Um, but I, I consider it to be such a gift to be asked to show up and speak for 30 minutes and be reminded of what I was like, what happened and what I'm like now. Um, it's um, definitely a gift. I have like, I've been asked to speak at a number of meetings and it kind of goes in waves and I, and it's always God doing for me what I can't do for myself. You know, it's always, the timing's always perfect. So, um, so when I came in, um, in 2015, um, I was just, I was at a bottom emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, and it was what it looked like was I, you know, would sit at home, charge my phone in the other room. Cause that would give me an excuse not to answer, um, and order food to my house, eat a whole pizza. I actually was at a, um, an event for my other program yesterday where I was volunteering and they ordered pizzas for lunch, like just all of the, the, the type of pizza that I used to eat in, in full. And, um, today what that looks like, is just, I look at it and I'm like, that's not my food. I guess I'll be getting lunch somewhere else. So, um, but I used to sit with this whole pizza, eat the whole thing. And then, just be in tremendous amount of physical pain. But for me at the time, you know, that was the best tool that I had um, to combat this like constant repeating thought of I'm gaining weight, I'm gaining weight, I'm gaining weight, the self-obsession that I was living in, like the best thing I could think of was to eat more, which makes absolutely no sense. And that's just how my disease, um, that's just what my disease looks like. Um, so, you know, what, what, landed me there. So I, um, you know, I grew up in a home that, you know, we, we had, I had sort of an intact family until I was 16, but it didn't feel that way at all. Like it looked that way from the outside, but didn't feel that way at all. And, um, my older sister who I just loved, worshiped and adored, uh, was overweight. And that was a big topic of conversation in my house. And, um, my parents were really, really focused on it. And I don't know, somehow I didn't, this wasn't a conscious choice, but I think somehow I retained that like, you know, struggling with my weight would be a way to get attention, you know? And, um, I think that is my first addiction is to attention, um, to just having the focus beyond me. And so I went 
you know, at a very inappropriate young age to the nutritionist with my sister and then to the commercial weight loss programs. And I kind of started on that journey with her. And I think that my disease of compulsive overeating started with restricting um, because I learned through all of these various places that um, they took my sister to fix her um, that I could manage and manipulate my body through restricting food. And for me, the way I see my disease of compulsive overeating is um, that it's like a pendulum. So if I pull too hard in one direction, it's always going to swing back in an equal at an equal force in the other direction. And so for me, it started with restricting, I think. And, um, you know, that once I kind of used my own will to pull it out of whack, um, the pendulum just started to swing and it didn't stop until really I came to OA. So um, that's just what it looked like. You know, I, I I went through high school and college gaining and losing 15, then 20, then 30 pounds. um, And it was always a topic for me, you know, in my head and amongst my peers and with my family. Um, I got this idea at a very young age that I was a problem and that I needed a solution to fix me. Um, <clears throat> and that's just, that's the, the mentality that I, that I carried with me everywhere that I went. And I was super high achieving in college and after in graduate school. And, um, you know, I figured like if I could just make it look good on the outside that everything would fall into place and I would get all the things I wanted. And that's just kind of how I ran through my life. Um, So, you know, I tried every single diet, every cleanse, every guru, every healer, every, you know, you name it. I did a, at the extreme, I did a 10-day silent uh, meditation uh, course um, where I turned in my cell phone and all of my worldly belongings and um, I was there to lose weight, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, I'm seeking a spiritual life it was i'm speaking as i'm seeking a spiritual life so that i can ultimately just be the body that i want to be in and that was my goal um for literally everything that i did so um that was about a year before i came into oa and i think in that year a friend of mine told me about overeaters anonymous and i went to one meeting but i went without her and kind of incognito on my own to check it out and Um, I didn't identify. It just wasn't the right time for me, and um, I didn't come back for a while. Um, But in January, so New Year's Eve um, 2014, a family friend pointed out to me that he could tell that I had gained weight. And for me, as a compulsive overeater, as like just an obsessed person with my body, like one of the delusions that I lived with was I'm struggling, but nobody can see it because I would do creative things. I would wear black. I would, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like disguise myself or I would, you know, in my head, it was it was crazy. I thought so much about my weight, but I also thought that nobody could see it, like that I was just invisible. Um, and that really sent me just absolutely careening to the bottom. And... Um, a couple days later, a friend of mine asked to meet for coffee, same friend who had told me about OA a year or two before. And we went and met for coffee and 
she just was noticeably different. Um, not physically, but just everything, you know, her spirit. And um, she told me she'd been going to OA and that she'd gotten a sponsor and she'd been working the steps. And I asked her to take me to a meeting and there was one that day and she took me um, to a meeting in Hollywood that I've never been back to. Um, but we were reading on the fourth step and in the OA 12 and 12 reading on the fourth step, there's this whole section about perfectionism and how we'll never start if we try to start at it perfectly. Um, and we'll definitely never finish. And I totally identified with that wording and, um, and I just got this appetite for OA and for meetings and for the fellowship that you guys showed me and and I haven't stopped coming so that was you know four years ago and I got a sponsor um within you know the first couple of weeks I went to the light a candle meeting I heard somebody um standing taking a candle and talking about the god-sized hole or she called it the god-shaped hole but I had heard of it referred to as the god-sized hole and I I just knew, you know, that that was the person who um, who really, who got it, you know. And um, for me, that has been my experience of this disease is that there's like this hungry, gnawing ghost, this God-sized hole inside of me that's looking for something. And my best solution um, was to meet that something with food, you know, and typically like, carby, starchy, um, spongy things that made me feel like I had my feet planted on this earth, you know, because they, they kind of weighed down the just worrying anxiety and, um, thank you. And like, just kind of floatiness that I, I generally feel, um, that I think is just like my basic human nature and my, my general state, you know, I, I definitely have free floating anxiety and a very busy brain. Um, and that's just part of who I am. Um, and I just taught myself how to medicate that with food and thank God, you know, because I never was, I never got to a a necessarily unhealthy weight. I've had high blood sugar. Um, but other than that, like mostly my, my health has been great. Um, and I can't even imagine like if I had picked another substance, you know, which was very easy, would have been very easy for me to do. So, um, so I got here just at the perfect time, you know, God got me here and, um, I started working the steps and with my sponsor and I worked one, two, and three pretty quickly after, um, I came in, um, and, I, my first sponsor was somebody who just had such a beautiful connection to God and her God outside of the rooms was totally different than my God, you know, totally different. Um, but she was able to speak to me about a relationship with a higher power in a way that I could hear it, even though what it looked like outside of here was totally different. You know, I grew up in one religion, she grew up in another, but like the, the language of the heart is spoken here and you know, I use the word God, that may not be comfortable for you, but um, at the end of the day, it's just about having people, fellows, and a sponsor who can carry the message to me, and that woman carried the message to me, and she's still a very dear friend of mine, and somebody who um, 
I, you know, is like a spiritual running buddy for me in these rooms. So um, my walk through the steps in OA has been and was very, very messy the first time. I had three different sponsors. Um, I changed jobs within the first three months. I got into a new relationship within the first three months of program. I did all the things that they tell you to like wait a year before you do. I did them all within the first few months of, of my abstinence. Um, and that's just what it looked like for me. And for a perfectionist, um, I find that God has a sense of humor and that is not what I thought it would look like. I was like, okay, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna work the 12 steps, the weight's gonna come off, I'm gonna you know, eat perfectly you know three meals a day it's just going to be protein and vegetables and I'm going to be free and I'm going to you know just do this so perfectly um and that's just not what it's looked like you know life is messy and um you know we learn here how to have tools to meet life on life's terms and so I have walked through a lot um in the past four years um and this program gives me um, a foundation, you know, and tools. And um, I love that we read about the nine tools in here because there's there are a few that I, I can I always identify that I'm not using and a lot that I am using, you know, and um, it doesn't feel like a burden to me. It doesn't feel like a stretch to me to use six of nine tools every single day or seven of nine, you know, it doesn't feel like oh, I have to do this OA thing. It really is that missing piece, you know, that emptiness that I was feeling is filled with these tools. Um, so, you know, I reach out, I call people, I'm connected to, I have, like I said, spiritual running buddies in these rooms and um, I am do service. I have a service position at every regular meeting that I attend. I attend at least three meetings a week. Um, and I use literature. I don't use the OA literature right now um, in a, on a daily basis, but I use literature, 12-step literature every day. Um, I pray on my knees in the morning. I try to meditate and I just bring God into everything that I'm doing. Um, and <laughs> I am at a point right now where I'm bringing God into everything I'm doing, even though I don't feel God in everything that I'm doing. Um, it has been a very rough six months for me um, or year. Um, so that relationship that I got into early in the in um, my recovery ended uh, a year ago. And um, in September, my boss, who is somebody who I worked for for four years and who I had a very complicated relationship with, passed away very suddenly at a very young age, and it was very tragic. Um, and I have, you know, had to, not had to, but I volunteered myself to sort of step up into a much bigger role um, in our small group at my company. Um, and it's just been tough, you know, and I have character defects. Um, I have, I've identified them in here and in my other 12-step program, and they are working on me, you know, and I am, and God is working on me. Um, so, you know, I work at this company that is just like 
all money, property, and prestige. Um, that is like the foundation, the bedrock of my company. Um, and stepping into this bigger role um, has given me um, this ability to have compassion for this guy who I worked for, who I hated, hated at, at many points. Um, he was in a really tough spot, you know, and it was really hard to do what he was doing. And I couldn't see it, you know, because I just, you know, I was in the complexity of that relationship. So, um, and compassion is one that like really comes from God for me. I don't think that I grew up with like a, um, a model of what that looked like. You know, um, I felt like I was, I didn't have a lot of compassion for myself and I didn't have a lot of compassion for the people around me. And boy, has that grown in these rooms. Um, you know, I, I think it starts here, right? Like in seeing myself and all of my fellows and seeing that like your food plan, your obsession with food, your body, your thinking, your whatever may not look exactly like mine looks. But, um, you know, it said in the, in the, the reading, the, the tools, the nine tools, um, we come to meetings to identify our common problem and talk about our common solution. And so even though like you may not look like I look or the foods that you abstain from may not look like the foods I abstain from or, you know, what caused you trouble may not look like what caused me trouble. And I've heard in these rooms like your abstinence could kill me and my abstinence could kill you. Um, I have such a, a compassion for my fellows like we, you know, to struggle at the hand, you know, suffer at the hands of food and body obsession is like a very unique plight that we all get to share and um and uh I've also heard you know it's our weakness not our strength that binds us to each other so um so yeah it's been tough you know it's been a tough um time and there have been moments where I've been so filled up with the money property and prestige and my character defects that I forget to eat a meal or, and I, I think that this is like, you know, victory lap, like I am cured. Um, and it's so not like, it's so not that free floating feeling of like, I'm just chasing after the thing and I'm so busy and I'm just getting everything done and whoops, I forgot to eat lunch. Look how recovered I am. Like that is not God. That is not God. Um, just as, you know, staying at home in my house being so self-obsessed and just constantly you know deciding which food is going to be the thing that's going to make me feel better is also not god um and i really like i think what this program has given me is the ability to live somewhere in the middle of that most of the time most of the time but it's been it's been a tough period and i feel like i have been running through this period and not feeling my feelings and not, you know, connecting to my fellows, um, which is why I started off by saying I woke up with my fingernails pressed into the palm of my hand, just holding on so tight, um, and that it's such a gift to be here um, because this program is my foundation. You know, this program is... Um, 
is how I show up for all of these challenges. And I don't stray too far these days um, before I'm in a tremendous amount of pain. So, um, and that's a gift um, that I have this sort of like lightning rod that's like in the center that like I may, you know, I may veer off and, and thank you and think that like works the priority or, um, you know, doing my job perfectly or being the boss or dating some guy or whatever is the priority and getting the thing is the priority. Um, but I don't spend much time in that space without feeling tremendously uncomfortable and coming back to you. Um, so, you know, I, I, like I said, I had three sponsors. I worked the steps very messily. And finally, um, right after my boss passed away, actually in September, I asked, um, a woman to sponsor me who, um, is in the center of these rooms. You know, she goes to meetings, she has service commitments, she shows up for her program and her recovery is a recovery that I admire. And for the longest time, I was kind of picking these sponsors who like, you know, oh, they have so many children, so they can't really make it to meetings or they can't really take my call when I'm in a time of crisis because they're so busy. And, um, you know, in a way that was like me going where where I was familiar, you know, I didn't have um, parents who like sat down at the dinner table with us every, you know, night after school and asked us how we were doing and made time for feelings and, um, you know, made time for us to process through things. And I didn't have parents who were safe because they were too busy in their own, you know, exploits and dalliances that like, I didn't, I didn't have a safe place. So, um, so, but I got this sponsor um, last fall and, um, and we're working the steps together and I'm, I'm committed to, I don't know what God's plan is because, you know, man plans and God laughs, but I, I'm committed to working the steps all the way through with her um, and I'm in step two right now. And I feel like I'm having a step two experience. It's like, this, um, you know, I think the first time I worked the steps, I worked the steps. Like I exerted my feelings onto the steps and I sort of walked through the process. And now I really do feel as though the steps are this spiritual assignment that just work through me. Um, and so step two, what step two feels like for me right now is um, negotiating, like how big is God? Um you know, because in step two, um, we come to believe um, that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So I'm negotiating how big is God? Is God bigger than the fact that I need to, for my work, I need to find a new project that needs to happen in May or June and has to have the right components and it's got to da da da. Is God bigger than that? You know, or should I really just like spend every day with my hand gripped, like figuring out what that thing is going to be that happens in May or June with this, this and this component to it. Um, and I'm experiencing that um, kind of push pull of like my will versus God's will. Um, so 
I'm in that. And um, I've also been able to let go a little bit more because I finally have a sponsor who's like looking at my food and asking me questions about it. Not in a judgmental way, just in a loving way. She just has this way about her. Um, And so... I had this thing with Ezekiel English muffins. I can talk about food here, right? I don't think we have any meetings where you can't talk about food, but when you bring up a specific food sometimes, you're like, oh, I don't know. So I had this thing with Ezekiel English muffins. They were like a thing that I would have for breakfast as part of my breakfast. And, um, you know, I liked them because um, they had a little bit more flavor than like the cardboard Ezekiel bread. So, but anyway, so I had this thing with them and I would have them in my house. And what happened when my boss passed away um, and I was walking through all this grief was that like I would eat one or two of them at night as a snack. And um, it was like my, like my airbag, you know, it was, um, like something that I could come home to and like I said like kind of get myself weighed down a little bit from like all of the free-floating fear and anxiety that I was feeling um and I really had this experience of just being able to let them go um but it's always like in God's timing you know and um I talked about it with my sponsor a little bit, but I also was just like, all right, God, whenever you're ready to remove this. And I just don't buy them now. I don't. Um, Because if I have them in my house, it's like it's there and it's fair game. Um, So that's like that's, you know, I'm starting to work specifically a little bit um, in that space of really being aware of what I'm putting in my body turning it over because the way my brain works with this disease even four years in especially four years in like when I was new I was like I know I'm powerless over food I know that my life is unmanageable I'm willing to literally turn every decision that I make about food over to my sponsor but I um you know I master things like I'm really smart and I can figure it out and that's what I do in my outside life and so four years in I'm like I know how to figure this out. I don't need anybody's help. And um, I'm just going to, and I'm going to start talking to myself in my head about how I'm going to do food today. Um, And it's hard to open up to somebody else and say, I want to eat, you know, especially for whatever reason for me now with this ego that I have about my recovery. Um, And I'm seeing that like that is essential to the maintenance of my abstinence and my spiritual condition is to just not be an expert here. Like, be an expert wherever else I want to think that I'm an expert, which I'm so not, but don't be an expert here. Um, Like, learn here and be vulnerable here and get uncomfortable here and be humble here. Um, You know, I'm working a six and seven in, in my other program and Um, this word humility keeps coming up for me. Um, It is for sure God's answer to how I'm feeling right now around work and around dating life and around my body and around my food. Um, And it's always been the answer. But for me right now, what I'm seeing is it's really, really the solution. Um, 
and you know part of humility is just like accepting where I'm at you know and um and accepting help and asking for that and saying I don't really know the answer to this like I was in New York a few weeks ago for work and I realized it was like, you know, I'd been running all over town and I'd been doing all of going to all these meetings and it was like 3 p.m. and I hadn't had lunch. And I was like, okay, I can figure this out in my head. I'll figure it out in my head. And then I was like, no, I won't. And so I called my sponsor and I left her a message and I just said, here's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. This is my plan of action. I have to go into one more meeting. It's going to take it to 4 p.m. But I'm going to go and meet. The first thing I'm going to do when that meeting finishes is I'm going to have a lunch. I'm going to have a lunch and then we're going to go from there and I'm going to turn this over to you and if there's anything that like you know any guidance you want to share with me I'm all yours like give me a call back and um and that's what we do here you know is um we don't walk through anything alone um I certainly feel not alone here and I'm so grateful for that every day because when I wake up in the morning and my fingernails are crunching into my palm Um, there's always, God always has a solution for me. And that solution for me is these rooms, this fellowship, humility, getting on my knees, turning it over, um, and just showing up for the beautiful life that God has in store for me, much more beautiful than the life that I could will for myself. So thank you. It is now time.